It is Thursday, the 13th of July. Let's begin by praying for our priests in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I pray for your faithful and fervent priests, for your unfaithful and tepid priests, for your priests laboring at home or abroad in distant mission fields, for your tempted priests, for your lonely priests, for your dying priests, for the souls of your priests in purgatory. But above all, I commend to you the priests dearest to me, the priests who baptized me, the priests who absolved me from my sins, the priests at whose masses I assisted and who gave me your body and blood in holy communion, the priests who taught and instructed me or helped and encouraged me, all the priests to whom I am indebted in any other way, keep them all close to your heart and bless them abundantly in time and eternity. Amen. Got to pray for our priests every day. You're in a battle, but uh, I'm pretty sure Satan hates them a little bit more. Well, I don't know. I mean, he hates some of you pretty bad. Either way, pray up. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad that you're along here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We will talk to Father Robert Nixon. We've been going through St. Ildefonsus of Toledo's Crown of the Virgin, which Father Nixon translated and uh, looking at various stars and flowers that are reflective of the virtues of Mary. Today we talk about the violet. Brendan Hodge will get some stats on the latest uh, election of cardinals and where they come from and what it says about the makeup of the church around the world. We'll get more advice for decision-making from the monks. Father Augustine Weta will help us out with that this morning. Also, speaking of monks, pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast will look at St. Benedict, whose feast was this week, and what he can tell us and what his rule can tell us about mental and emotional and spiritual health. So, stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. President Biden is in Finland today for meetings with U.S. allies. Finland officially became the 31st member of NATO this year, marking a major shift in the European security landscape. Russia's invasion of Ukraine prompted the country to seek protection within the alliance. It was announced just this week that Sweden will also become a NATO member. President Biden today will be holding meetings with the heads of Finland, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, and Denmark. Also on the agenda is Arctic security, where there's an increasing presence from both China and Russia. The president has said NATO will never waver in its support of Ukraine. Mark Mayfield has more. That's what President Biden declared in the speech wrapping up a two-day NATO summit in Lithuania. The president called out Russian President Vladimir Putin by name, saying Putin wrongly believed NATO would break apart when he launched his invasion. Biden said the alliance is now stronger and more energized than ever with the recent addition of Finland and imminent membership of Sweden. Biden earlier on Wednesday held a bilateral meeting with Ukrainian President Zelensky. I'm Mark Mayfield. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan has pressed the head of the FBI over a memo that suggested the Bureau should begin infiltrating Catholic churches. The internal memo that leaked from the FBI's Richmond, Virginia office earlier this year suggested some Catholics likely had links to violent extremists. In a hearing with FBI Director Christopher Wray yesterday, Jordan accused the FBI 
of targeting Catholic Americans for their religious beliefs. Do you think priests, priests should be informants inside the church director? We do not recruit, open, or operate confidential human sources to infiltrate, target, report, but that's not, uh, what, religious this, that's not what this said. It sounds like you were trying to do it in no, Richmond, Virginia. No, sir. No, sir. No, you weren't? Sir. If this didn't happen, you can assure us that this that, didn't happen? That product did not, to as best as we can tell, result in any investigative action as a result of it. None. Ray said the FBI does not target religious organizations and ordered the memo to be removed once he learned about it. He said the incident is under internal review. The Archbishop of Sarajevo marked the 28th anniversary this week of the Srebrenica massacre, expressing his closeness to the families and friends of the victims. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Archbishop Tomo Vuksic expressed his deep condolence to all those mourning their loved ones, underlining how each victim was a father or mother, a brother or sister, a son or daughter, a wife or husband, a friend or an acquaintance. For the rest of us, he continued, they are our brothers and sisters whose life was taken away, so our fraternal compassion towards them is sincere. The Archbishop turned his thoughts in particular to the families of those whose remains will be buried only this year after being exhumed from more mass graves and whose identification hadn't been completed until now. According to Archbishop Vuksic, the graves of the victims preach peace, demanding that every life be respected and preserved. This, he said, is their greatest message and lesson for all. The Srebrenica massacre is one of the most tragic pages of the Bosnian War and the worst episode of mass murder within Europe since World War II. The International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia concluded that the killings compounded by the mass expulsion of Bosniak civilians amounted to genocide. It placed the principal responsibility on senior officers of the Bosnian Serb Army, but the United Nations also accepted a portion of the blame for having failed to protect the Bosniak civilians. The tragedy helped galvanize the West to press for ceasefire, which led to the 1995 Dayton Accords, ending the war in Bosnia. The conflict, however, has left deep emotional scars on survivors and enduring obstacles to political reconciliation among Bosnia's main ethnic groups. I am Lisa Zingarini. Cleanup is underway after severe weather hit the Chicago area. The National Weather Service says multiple tornadoes were reported in the region last night, including one near O'Hare that briefly grounded all flights at both O'Hare and Midway airports in Chicago. And it's National French Friday, the big day to celebrate the big day. Many fast food chains are offering up some deals like McDonald's giving away free fries of any size through its app at participating locations. Also places like Wendy's, Smashburger and White Castle are supplying fries for free with any purchase. Just FYI, Matt. Anna Mitchell, hmm. I've said it before, I will say it again. I'll say it even today. The more that saints disappear from people's calendars, the more that random foods get their own feast days. I know it, right? Who was demanding French Fry Day? Feast on Who? The f- okay, well, you get free French fries, though. Okay. Celebrate well, St. Henry and eat some French fries in his honor. May as well take advantage of it.
Wait, hang on a second, Anna Mitchell. Let me let me let me stop you right there. Where is Saint Henry from? Uh, he was the Holy Roman Emperor. I'm not yeah, sure. Was he in Austria? Oh, Bavaria, Germany, of course. So I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about eating French, French fries on this fries food as a, on... in honor of a Bavarian saint. I don't know. I mean, I think it could be... work. I don't know. I don't know. Just Can't keep thought, track of I know these. a lot of people go to fast food places for lunch, so I thought I'd let them know they can get some free fries today. I'm not usually into, like, promoting these things, but if you're going to get free something, you know. You know, I if, I, uh, if know. I'm not mistaken, um, I would say that, that Father Robert Nixon has no idea what we're talking about. Um <laughs> If we said free chips day, then he might. I don't. I think that's what they call him in Australia, but they don't call him French fries. I don't think. Am I? Father, is that right? Are you there? Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. We call them, we call them chips and French fries. You know, um, just doesn't sound right. But we don't, we don't have any days like that here in Australia. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> it's day, coming, Father. Like <laughs> it's coming, Father. Okay, Just I guess, wait. yeah, probably not too far off. Not too far off, yeah. <laughs> well, Father Robert Nixon is a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We've been going through Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Father, it's good to have you back. It's fantastic to be with you, Eddie. So today we are on to the 16th place in the crown of the Virgin, which St. Ildefonsus uh, places the violet in it, uh, a a flower that's rather familiar to to most listening right now, I'd venture to say. And it sounds like St. Ildefonsus is rather fond of this flower. He he is absolutely. He describes it as the most beautiful, the most gorgeous of all flowers. So um, for him, it is a very fitting gift to offer Our Lady to place in this position within this crown, which he's fashioning for her. So how does the violet represent the Blessed Virgin Mary in the mind of St. Ildefonsus? Well, he tells us um, that this, he's, he says, I offer to to you, O oh my love, the most gorgeous of all flowers, a violet, to position in the 16th place of your royal diadem. The violet is of the richest purple hue, wonderful in its fragrance, and endowed with healing powers. Well does this flower befit your crown, for it faithfully strives to imitate your virtues. You are indeed a violet of purity, of modesty, and of chastity, and a violet of sweetness, of sanctity and of love. So he talks about this wonderful uh, purple color and also speaks about the healing power which the violet was believed to have in the Middle Ages. They they really believed that different kinds of plants, different flowers had their own particular properties. You know, and I really love how he he puts it here in that the violet strives to imitate her virtues. I was I was thinking about this in light of um, Romans 8, in which St. Paul talks about how creation is groaning in labor pains even until now to to get back to yeah, that day indeed. when they can fully embrace in, what, what God made them to be. Indeed. And, you know, we often we don't think about um, with non-human things so much the virtues and the graces that they're 
are gifted with and also the fact that having for their own form of um of perfection of restoration for as you said what god intended them to be so i think it's a beautiful thing to talk about the virtues of this flower striving to imitate the blessed virgin and of course he's it's somewhat metaphoric but i think it's still a beautiful way of of reflecting upon it yeah and can you tell us about the prayer that he writes this one beautiful i feel like you should put this one to music father Yes, indeed. So uh, this prayer in the original um, was was written in rhyming Latin. So when I translated it into English, I I made it rhyme myself, and um, it's it's very wonderfully expressed. Uh, o cloud, cloud of fulvid light, sublime in astral height. O blooming branch of grace, the glory of our race, made fruitful by the dew which love rained down on you. Make tender, stony hearts your grace to us impart. You are true wisdom's throne of luminance unknown, the cedar tree divine, the verdant, fertile vine. God's pardon for us seek, O maiden mild and meek, O snow-white lily flower, O queen of untold power, O empress of the skies, delight of weary eyes, of paradise the door, the refuge of the poor. Our God's most cherished mother, surpassing every other, release us from our fears in this dark veil of tears. Preserve us from despair, protect us by your care. Help us to be true to Jesus and to you. Amen. So that's the prayer which he finishes, and you're, you're right, absolutely. I think that would make a, make a lovely song if set to music and would, would work with music very easily, I think. So I might just do that, Any uh, Great suggestion. Excellent. Well, I will look forward to listening to that once you uh, get around to uh, composing some uh, some melodies to, to go with it. And I just want to close by reflecting on those last lines of that prayer and help us to be true to Jesus and to you. Because I, I don't think that we can ever stress enough that our devotion to the Blessed Mother is so that we can increase in devotion to her Son. Indeed, they they can't be separated. Whenever we see the best images of the Blessed Virgin, she always has the infant Jesus in her hand. So to pay her homage is to pay him homage. And nothing brings Jesus greater joy than, than the respect and love which we show to his mother. So the two are really inseparable. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon. The book is called Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. And you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, part of the Tan Resurrection series. Father, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you. God bless. Goodbye. You too, Father. Thank you very much. All right, it's quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. Residents from Texas and Oklahoma westward into the desert southwest and interior California and portions of Utah and Colorado will all be seeing temperatures in the triple digits today. From New England westward through the Great Lakes and into the Central Plains and backed up against the Front Range and the Rockies, there will be showers and thunderstorms today. Along the Ohio River Valley and into New England, thunderstorms could become severe. Heavy rain could lead to another round of flooding across waterlogged areas of Vermont and New York as well. Showers and thunderstorms 
being found mainly in the afternoon will extend southward into the deep south, the southeast, and Florida. Dry weather is expected west of the Continental Divide. We got headlines coming up next. It's 13 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Health Share, 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden is in Finland today for meetings with U.S. allies. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan yesterday pressed the head of the FBI over the recent memo suggesting that the bureau should begin infiltrating Catholic churches. And the Archbishop of Sarajevo has marked the 28th anniversary this week of the Srebrenica massacre. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, today, if you're uh, paying attention at Daily Mass, you'll hear a story that's going to sound pretty interesting and dramatic. But unless you know the whole backstory, it's not as interesting and dramatic as it could be. Today, we get actually the thrilling conclusion of the story of how Joseph has been sold into slavery, goes through all kinds of stuff, uh, ends up after being thrown in prison, uh appointed to a high court of Pharaoh. And finally, the brothers that need, well, the brothers that threw him into slavery, sold him into slavery to Egypt, are now there's a famine and they need food from, well, Egypt. Mm-hmm. They don't know where their brother is or what happened to him. And it turns out that Judah finds mercy by this Egyptian official that turns out to be the same brother that he threw in the well <laughs> and sold. Uh, so it is uh, kind of the fascinating conclusion. Uh, if you hear... That sort of out, out of context passage at Mass today for the first reading of Judah approaching Joseph and, you know, begging for 
mercy and talking about this brother of his that he lost. Uh, go back and read the whole thing because it's, I think, one of the most dramatic kind of plot twist stories in the entire Old Testament. Yeah. And such a story of mercy, of course. I mean, think about, well, try to put yourself in Joseph's place. Like, you know that your brothers have done this to you. And you end up in Egypt. And yeah, things turned out okay for you in the end. Um, But you're in this place to either seek, you know, bring uh, revenge upon them, let it come around to them, or have mercy on them and save them. And he chooses the latter. Joseph knows this is his brother Judah. And so when he says, do you have a father? How's he doing? I mean, mm-hmm. how he kept it together when he asked that question, oh, right? Man, and I he know, didn't, right? right? Eventually, he sent them all out because he was weeping uh, over the question. It's 21 past. It's the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I am Dominican Father Paul Keller, Please pray with me the prayer to St. Anthony. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. O holy St. Anthony, gentlest of saints, your love for God and charity for his creatures made you worthy, when on earth, to possess miraculous powers. Miracles waited on your word, which you were ever ready to speak for those in trouble or anxiety. Encouraged by this thought, I implore of you to obtain for me this request. The answer to my prayer may require a miracle. Even so, you are the saint of miracles. O gentle and loving Saint Anthony, whose heart was ever full of human sympathy, whisper my petition into the ears of the sweet infant Jesus, who loved to be folded in your arms, and the gratitude of my heart will ever be yours. Amen. It's past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. It's great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And Pope Francis has announced that the next consistory to create new cardinals will be taking place on September 30th, which is just ahead of the gathering of the Synod on Synodality. First of all, Brendan, can you just give us the basic rundown of the cardinals appointed? Yes. Uh, There are 
18 new voting age cardinals who are being added. That represents the largest number of voting age cardinals that Francis has ever appointed at one time. Um, this is also the youngest batch of cardinals that Francis has ever appointed. Their average age is uh, 63 and uh, just a little over half, which is uh, a couple years younger than the average age of uh, the previous batch of cardinals and, indeed, as I said, the youngest group that um, Francis has ever appointed. And it's a very European batch of cardinals. Uh, nine out of the 18 are born in Europe. Um, and that shifts the overall profile of the College of Cardinals back a little bit towards the European continent. Um, hmm. Overall, Francis has appointed a lot of cardinals from around the world. He's created a, a lot of cardinals where the first cardinal from their see. Uh, but uh, this group of cardinals is more European than the College of Cardinals was going into this year. Wow. Okay. So I want to get to uh, geography in just a moment, but let's go back to the the college in general. How big does this make the College of Cardinals um, come September 30th? So that's another interesting thing. Uh, the, uh, the college is also going to be at its largest, um, actually the largest it has been since, um, since, um, 1971. Um, so cardinals age out of being able to vote when they turn 80. And uh, looking at the pre-existing cardinals um, going into this year, by the end of this year, there would have been only 113 who are still of voting age. So adding these guys in, we will be up to 131. Uh, that is the largest number of cardinals we've had since Paul VI capped the number of cardinals at 120 back in 1975. Hmm. Now, it is actually pretty normal that a pope would appoint more than a number of cardinals that would bring it up above 120 uh, because cardinals are constantly aging out. And over the next year, we're going to see another 12 cardinals past 80, which will bring it back down to 121. So it is it is normal, but it's kind of the, the highest uh, watermark that we've seen um, in a long time. Well, that gives you an indication of what Pope Francis believes about his health. He thinks he's going to be around for another 12 months, that there wouldn't be a, 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 a conclave perhaps in the next 12 months, that uh, it'll bring it back down to uh, nonetheless back to a normal number of cardinals um, in the next year. So let's talk a little bit more about geography. Can you give us the breakdown in terms of how much of the college is European or African or Asian or American? Yeah. So if we look at the college as a whole, um, prior to this, um, the overall college was 42 uh, percent European, and after this, it's going to be 43 percent European. Wow. Uh, the growing group is uh, African cardinals, so they will go from 12 percent to 13 percent. And what we saw is that cardinals from Asia are falling from 16 percent to 15 percent, and cardinals from North America from 11 percent to 10 percent. Um, South America and Central America and Oceania are, are remaining uh, the same in terms of composition. Okay. So what are some other stats that, that you've been digging up that, that you find particularly interesting, Brendan? 
So a couple of things that jumped out at me. Uh, we will have the least Italian College of Cardinals in history after mm. this. So um, as of this year, uh, with Cardinals born in Italy turning 80, we would be down to 15. And this new batch includes only two. So there will be 17 voting age Cardinals. Uh, last year, there were 20. And, of course, if you go back, uh, it used to be that the majority of Cardinals were Italian. So we're going down to a pretty small number of Italians out of the total. And then we also have some, um, some interesting uh, re- representation from what, uh, what Pope Francis would call the peripheries. Uh, one of the really interesting examples here is Archbishop uh, Stephen Mullah from the Archdiocese of Juba in South Sudan. He is the first Sudanese cardinal in modern Catholic history. Wow. And if you recall, when Pope Francis went to Africa recently, South Sudan, uh, which is, of course, a very new country and is the Catholic split off from North Sudan, which is, or Sudan, which is the vast majority Muslim, uh, South Sudan was one of Pope Francis' stops. So that church that he just visited is now going to be a part of the College of Cardinals. Very, very cool. And I was doing a little... Um cross-examination here with the list of uh, bishops and and prelates that have been invited to the Synod on Synodality. And I'm pretty sure if I did this correctly, there are eight of them who will be sticking around for the the Synod uh, the next day, I believe it begins. Anyway, we've got Brendan Hodge linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you always happy to have you and you can find a list of all of our guests and links to the work that they do in our show notes every day over at sonrisemorningshow.com be sure to click subscribe you can get it all in your inbox half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news President Biden is in Finland today for meetings with U.S. allies. Finland officially became the 31st member of NATO this year, marking a major shift in the European security landscape. Russia's invasion of Ukraine prompted Finland to seek protection within NATO. It was announced just this week that Sweden will also become a member of the alliance. President Biden today will be holding meetings with the heads of Finland, Sweden, Norway, Iceland and Denmark. Also on the agenda is Arctic security, where there is an increasing presence from both China and Russia. Meanwhile, President Biden has said he accomplished the goals he set at the NATO summit in Lithuania. Trey Thomas has more. Biden told reporters it will be some time before Ukraine becomes a member of NATO. I look forward to the day when we're having the meeting celebrating your official membership in NATO. But added, Ukrainian President Zelensky understands he has the support of the U.S. and NATO allies as Russia's invasion continues. I'm Trey Thomas. An Ohio congressman has pressed the head of the FBI over a memo suggesting the bureau begin infiltrating Catholic churches. That internal memo, which was leaked from the FBI's Richmond, Virginia office earlier this year, had suggested Catholics likely had links to violent extremists. In a hearing with FBI Director Christopher Wray yesterday, Congressman Jim Jordan accused the FBI of targeting Catholic Americans for their religious beliefs. Do you think priests priests should be informants inside the church, Director? We do not recruit, open, or operate confidential human sources to infiltrate, target, report, 
But that's not uh, what, this, that's not what this said. It sounds like you were trying to do it in no, Richmond, Virginia. No, sir. No, you sir. You weren't? This, this didn't happen? You can assure us that this that, didn't happen? That product did not, to as best as we can tell, result in any investigative action as a result of it. None. Ray said the incident is under internal review and attempted to defend the Bureau's credibility in the face of much conservative criticism. More from Mark Mayfield. In testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, FBI Director Christopher Wray said the agency is made up of patriots, professionals, and dedicated public servants. He laid out the work that the Bureau does every day, stating the FBI arrested more than 20,000 violent criminals and child predators. House Republicans have accused the agency of being weaponized against conservatives, including former President Trump and his allies. They say the FBI worked to suppress conservative viewpoints on social media. I'm Mark Mayfield. The U.S. bishops are urging the United States and the international community to intervene on on behalf of a bishop imprisoned in Nicaragua. Reports say Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa was briefly released from prison last week, but detained again after he did not choose to leave the country. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on International Justice and Peace, issued a statement saying, quote, we received news last week of yet another breakdown in negotiations to free Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa, unjustly sentenced to 26 years in prison and stripped of his citizenship in February. I urge the United States and the international community, he said, to continue praying for the bishop and advocating for his release. The bishop said, quote, the consensus from the international community is clear. The continued incarceration of Bishop Alvarez is unjust and must end as soon as possible. May Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, patroness of Nicaragua and the United States, illumine the hearts of all decision makers and may her maternal mantle protect the church in Nicaragua, end quote. Cleanup is underway after severe weather hit the Chicago area. The National Weather Service says multiple tornadoes were reported in the region last night, including one near O'Hare Airport, which briefly grounded all flights at both O'Hare and Midway airports in Chicago. Storm damage was confirmed in Chicago's western suburbs, where there was damage to cars and buildings, as well as downed fences and trees. There's been no word, though, of any injuries. Family members of those killed in the Buffalo grocery store mass shooting are filing a lawsuit. Ten people died in last year's attack, and the gunman is spending life in prison. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the... The Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. If the world despises us, let us rejoice, because there is reason for it. Let us realize that we deserve it. If it esteems us, let us despise its judgments. Its esteem for us is blind, without foundation of knowledge or truth. Do not worry about what the world thinks. Despise its esteem. Let us say whatever it likes, whether good or bad. What is desirable is that we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, going about our work no matter what the world thinks. Truly the world is a great charlatan and always talks too much, both about what is good and what is bad. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. It's always great to take a look at monk stories with Father Augustine Weta, Benedictine monk who has written a book called Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. Father, good morning. Good morning. So the monk story today, we get to talk about the devil being an enemy and you being a house and throwing the devil out of your house. So (laughs) share that one with us. Yeah, well, one of the great things about the Desert Fathers is that they uh, they kept the terminology pretty simple, and in the, and this is no exception. An old monk said to a brother, "The devil is the enemy, and you are a house. <laughs> the enemy never stops throwing evil into your house, so it is your job to keep throwing it out again." If you neglect this, the house will be so full of evil that you'll no longer be able to get inside. So just keep throwing the evil out, and little by little, by the grace of God, your house will become clean again. (laughs) Seems simple enough, you would think. Uh, You You would think. But, uh, you know, there are people who, uh, well, I mean, you've heard stories, and maybe people have even experienced this, of like, you know, having, you know, some kind of substance abuse issue and just saying, you know what? We're going to flush it all down the toilet today. <laughs> We're going to pour it out yeah. in the yard today. Or, you know, maybe people who have, like, eating issues and say, you know what? I'm getting rid of all the Oreos today. <laughs> right? I'm just going to throw them in the trash. <laughs> or, or even stuff like, you know, I don't like, you know, having this cable package that even though I don't buy any of the channels, every time I flip through, like, the – you know, the, the high-end numbers, I at least see advertisements for these terrible, terrible programs. I'm canceling cable. I'm throwing it out of my house. I feel right, like sometimes right. we think like we can't – it's like whack-a-mole to get all that stuff that's influencing our life out. But that doesn't mean that we should give up on trying to clean these things out, does it? That's right, because if your house if – if your metaphorical and literal house is full of temptation, uh, well, I mean, how are you ever even going to get started, Right. It's, uh, it's, I, we talked about this a, week, a little bit last week. It's about rebuilding your house so that it will be the sort of place that is conducive to, um, to good decisions. 
I, I remember when I was about eight, my sister six, I, I decided I had had enough with her. And so I went to my father and I said, Dad, um, it's really time that we give her up for adoption. <laughs> and he he sat me down and he said, look, Jason, I understand where you're coming from. Like, she annoys me, too. But um, there's going to come a day when you realize that you actually like your sister and you're going to want to hang out with her. Um, but until that day comes, fake it. And, and I think his environment was his environment. His advice was good because it turns out I actually do like my sister now. We do enjoy hanging out. And uh, so, so you re, I rebuilt. I, well, what, what he was asking to, me to do in Desert Father's language was to rebuild myself as the sort of house that would be friendly to my sister, right? Metaphorically, at least. You know, there's a, a line from C.S. Lewis that's along um, that same kind of pattern of thought uh, where someone asked him, I don't know how to love God, and, and Lewis said something to the effect of, and I can't remember where he said this, and this is going to be a paraphrase, but, well, just do the things that you would do if you did love God. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then yeah, you, exactly. you might see that sort of stuff sort of cultivate. Like, maybe you don't feel sincere about throwing the devil out of your house, but at least do the thing that you would do if you were trying to get him out of your life. <laughs> exactly. My, my confessor actually made me quit saying it, but I used to, at the end of my confession, I used to say, oh my God, I am half-heartedly sorry for having offended you. Because, frankly, like, I, I, I like sinning. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it at all, right? I, I get angry and I lash out and it feels good or whatever. But uh, the uh, St. Francis de Sales actually put this pretty well when he said, we learn to study by studying, we learn to play the lute by playing, to dance by dancing, to swim by swimming. So we also learn to love God and our neighbor by loving them. And those who attempt any other method are mistaken. It's just basic sort of psychology, right? Fake it till you make it, which actually works, it turns out. Well, we won't talk about addiction because I feel like that's a different sort of psychological category. But let's talk right. about patterns of sin, like patterns, because I think we all – I mean, I may not be addicted to anger, but I know that there are patterns oh, of it am. in my life, <laughs> right? Um, there are things <laughs> right. that we that we gravitate towards, like – what would be some small steps that we could take today um, well, to throw the devil out in regard to those things? Well, the obvious like first step is to go to confession, right? And, and you don't have to be compulsive about this, but on the other hand, well, one of the things that a lot of things that, or rather one of the things that people tend to forget is that confession, the sacrament of confession, not only wipes the soul clean, it actually gives you superhuman powers to resist that sin the next time around. So particularly when it comes to anger, in my case, I, I, I'll go to confession, and then I'll say to myself, okay, I'm saving up this grace for the next time I run into brother so-and-so, you know, and I'm going to And then when I see him walking toward me, and I think, oh, boy, I'd really like to slug this guy. I say, okay, I'm cashing out my sacramental grace right now, right? Because, of course, like, virtue isn't, isn't easy. It takes practice. And I think it was Aristotle who said the soldier doesn't start off brave. He pretends like he's brave until pretty soon he looks around and realizes he is. <laughs> you know, it's um, so funny that you say that. And I think that we sometimes sort of think of it that way. Like, 
Larry Bird, you shouldn't have to practice. You're good at free throws. And, yeah. and we forget he's good at free throws because he practices. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the I think they did this experiment about 10, no, 20 years ago at Berkeley or someplace like that where they for, they had kids hold a pencil between their lip, their upper lip and their nose while they did unpleasant tasks. And they found that these kids who did this uh, actually enjoyed what they were doing more than other people who weren't who had who didn't have a pencil in their upper lip, and the reason is because if you try to hold a pencil there with your lip, it forces you to smile, and even though it's an art, a totally artificial smile, you still think you're having a good time because you're smiling, right? And, and that may actually be—I never thought about it before until now—but that may be why Mother Teresa said that. If you want to be a saint, just smile. Well, it's not the worst advice in the world. Thanks so much, Father Augustine Weta. His book, Pray, Think, Act, is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, since we talked to a Benedictine, Father Robert Nixon, in the first segment, and since we talked to a Benedictine just now, Father Augustine Weta, in this segment, and since the Feast of St. Benedict was this week, we're going to talk about what St. Benedict can say in the realm of emotional and mental health with pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast. It's a Benedictine kind of week around here. That's coming up next, plus headlines. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. Today on More to Life, Emotional Battles. Tired of fighting with your feelings? We hope you win the war. That's today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 
13 till. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden is in Finland today for meetings with U.S. allies after the end of the NATO summit in Lithuania yesterday. The U.S. bishops are urging the United States and the international community to intervene on behalf of a bishop imprisoned in Nicaragua. And meanwhile, a new survey in Nicaragua has revealed that the Catholic Church is the most credible institution in the country. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We get to talk more about the rule of St. Benedict, not just for monks. Uh, It's actually got some great stuff for those of us who are living married lives out in the world and not uh, hanging out in the monastery praying a bunch of times a day. Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor with us, former seminary instructor as well. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. I love St. Benedict for so many reasons, uh, but I wonder if you could start by talking about his ora et labora principle, right? Pray and work and how that's really, I mean, I can't tell you how many articles I read or things that I see pitched or podcasts I see out there that are trying to get this thing right. Yeah, right. In the popular culture, we've got books like James Clear, Atomic Habits, or Stephen Covey's old book, Seven Habits. So I think that, you know, if we look at the book, Sister John Chittister of Benedictine said that the uh, one of the big principles in Benedict is its moderation compared to extremes, right? But if you read, you know, if anybody today would just look through his rule, it looks like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. And I think we have a resistance. What's our resistance to? And I think that's that pray and work that we don't have any order in our life. So I see so many people whose lives are out of balance. So it's not exactly that they have an anxiety disorder or depressive disorder, but they're extremely stressed. And when, you, and when you look through the rule, it has, Benedict calls it a little rule for beginners. So just these small steps, but think about the things that he hits on are sleeping, eating, uh, doing some kind of productive work, manual labor comes in there, prayer, study, service, and then love and community, right? So when we look at that, if we did an examination of conscience about those things, like, like how, how am I, do I have balance in my life? And I think most of my clients would say, no, it's it's completely insane. So I think that's another word for uh, Benedict's approach is sanity rather than, than extremes. And we're not talking about the extremes of the desert monks who, you know, were extreme in asceticism, or even, you know, there's the recent, you know, movement, the Benedict option, which has its benefits, but do we just withdraw from the evil world? And, and Benedict, St. Benedict's really not saying that. He's, how can we be engaged, right? So so that pray and work to think about, like, what's the balance in my day? Am I working so much overtime in order to buy things or to support my family, but maybe I'm neglecting my family, I'm not taking time? Or where do I find prayer? So the monastic tradition, and this seems very extreme, and we resist this. So it comes right from Psalm 119. You know, I, I turn to you, Lord, seven times a day. Well, I think with, with my clients, rather than having one long, you know, rather than praying for two hours in the morning, maybe I, I take these little breaks during the day, morning, afternoon, evening. I try to turn to God. So that idea of, of having that kind of balance in my in my prayer life and, and turn more frequently to God. St. Augustine says that our prayers should be like quick little javelins thrown at, at the Lord, right? So the other things here, Matt, I think are that, that I see are really important is 
there's a great poem that some of your listeners might want to might be familiar with. Robert Browning has this great poem. It's called Soliloquy of a Spanish Cloister. And it's actually one monk who's just talking to himself during meal and during services. And he can't stand this other brother monk. And one of the final lines in the poem is, I'd like to spin him around and send him flying off to hell, <laughs> right? So, so here's somebody who's in uh, a holy place, a religious place. But do we ever, if we think about that, St. Benedict calls the monastery a school of charity, but we can apply that to our families. Like we have to get, we have to deal with difficult people, some of the sharp edges of others' personality that might remind me that I have sharp personalities. And that's something that we need grace in order to, to work on. So this idea of, of community. And then, you know, you know, the monks talked a lot about spiritual warfare, so they would use the word demons. But people in my tradition, in the psychological tradition, would say we have these instinctual drives that are completely out of control. And that could be anger, greed, uh, just, just wanting to satisfy myself. It's the, the ego run amok, so I don't want to take any direction from someone else. And Benedict's phrase is conversatio morum, which is the change of my way of life or my ethical behavior. And in order to do that, I need a spiritual guide of some kind. So Benedict says, you know, open your heart to the, open your soul to the abbot. But to think about that, like, am I just running my own life? Uh, there's some of the people in 12 step that I know that they say that this is a great line that one of my friends has is uh, the good thing is that we're not all down at the same time and that we can borrow each other's courage. And I love that, that we all run into very great difficulties. We get lost, we get really down in the dumps, we get discouraged uh, and we need each other. And, and just to ask that question, like who can I really be honest with about the struggles, the temptations that I have in my soul? You know, and, Kevin, as yeah, you're, as you're, yeah. as you're mm -hmm. bringing this up, I'm I'm actually pretty mm -hmm. fascinated because in the course of this, we're all talking about this one monk from, you know, a millennium and a half ago. But so far, you've talked about how he's being used and invoked by everything from uh, corporate, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. work balance people to progressive nuns to conservative mm -hmm. Protestants to 12-steppers. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's something in Benedict for yeah. everybody. Yeah, and it took him a long time to come to that. He got a lot of opposition. His fellow monks tried to poison him. <laughs> so people did not like this. So when we look at this or we hear these ideas, these are not, you know, immediately comfortable ideas. And there was one of the monks that said early on, I think this influenced Benedict, is that one curie, one Lord have mercy, said with my brothers and sisters in unity, is worth more than me sitting in my room and reciting all 150 psalms by myself. So, and the other one that that same monk said is, you know, a monk alone in his cell is like the three young men in the fiery furnace. So I see that with my clients, that it, therapy is very difficult, just like spiritual direction, the spiritual way of life. And people don't, you know, people think it's going to be easier. I can just complain about things. But when we really get down to brass tacks and, and the work, it's so very difficult to look at myself and to look at the darkness in my life. And I need, I, I need my brothers and sisters to support me in that. So, so some takeaways for our listeners, Matt, would be maybe to talk with your spouse today about this, like how is our life in balance or out of balance? And I think most people would have a lot that you could do. Uh, who am I getting guidance from that's really sane and can be objective, who can support me 
but can also challenge me. And then this idea of progress, not perfection, that who is it in my life who can lift me up when it just seems so hard? Like all the psychologists would say, this is very difficult to change habits. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a couple of weeks. And so we get discouraged. We sign up for the gym on January 1st, and then we bail out by the end of January. So who, who can support me and keep me on the goals that I want for to become a better person, to become a better Christian? And what does moderation look like? Not going to extremes on one or the other. This idea, like, like there's a movement in some parts of our Catholic community right now to restore asceticism, which is good, self-denial, but we have to have balance about that. We can easily go way off the deep end like uh, people have in the past. Well, thank you so much for the practical wisdom, which of course, uh, you know, the guy we're talking about is a pretty practical guy. Uh, Benedict of Nursia, pray for us. Thanks so much, Kevin Prendergast. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Take care. And, of course, you can find not just Kevin Prendergast, but also all the Benedictine monks we've been talking to over the course of today and this week. They're all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, that's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Enter your email address. You can get those show notes, uh, including some of the prayers that we use delivered daily. I'm actually going to head over during the break and update today's show notes with Rita Heikenfeld's recipe that she's going to share with us in the next hour. So stay with us if you can. Back right after this, it's three minutes till. Tartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. continue on this Thursday, the 13th of July, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us living water to drink. You are the vine, bear in us the fruit of life. You are the rock in the desert from which the waters flow. Cool our weary souls with the living waters of your Holy Spirit. You are the living word, bring life to those who grope for a sense of purpose in life. Ever-living God, you have given us the water of life to drink through Christ, vine, rock, word. Make us so thirst for him that we will turn aside from all lesser thirsts. Through him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Since it is his feast today, St. Henry, a Bavarian monarch, and yes, it's possible to be a uh, monarch and a saint, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman is pushing buttons and dialing up great guests, including Dr. John Bergsma, who is going to talk about the Song of Songs and uh, how it plays into the question of uh, love in the Old Testament. Dr. Bergsma's got that book, Love Basics for Catholics. Uh, Rita Heikenfeld is going to discuss cucumbers on Bible foods. Yes, cucumbers are in the Bible. And she's got a great recipe that I just posted to our show notes uh, for a cucumber avocado salad that she'll share at the end of the segment. Gary Machuda is, is uh, going to be with us as well from Hands-On Apologetics. Also, Elizabeth Sullivan from the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. They've got a conference coming up in Pittsburgh next week, and it is sold out. But you can still participate, and she'll let you know how. I uh, feel like every time I turn around, I find more families who are super into... Uh, Catholic liberal education and 
We're going to let you know how you can participate in this conference. Two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden is in Finland today for meetings with U.S. allies. Finland officially became the 31st member of NATO earlier this year, prompted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It was announced just this week, meanwhile, that Sweden will also become a NATO member. President Biden today is holding meetings with the heads of Finland, Sweden, Norway, Iceland and Denmark. Also on the agenda is Arctic security because of an increasing presence there from both China and Russia. President Biden has said NATO will never waver in its support of Ukraine as the country continues to fend off the Russian invasion. Mark Mayfield has more. That's what President Biden declared in a speech wrapping up a two-day NATO summit in Lithuania. The president called out Russian President Vladimir Putin by name, saying Putin wrongly believed NATO would break apart when he launched his invasion. Biden said the alliance is now stronger and more energized than ever with the recent addition of Finland and imminent membership of Sweden. Biden earlier on Wednesday held a bilateral meeting with Ukrainian President Zelensky. I'm Mark Mayfield. U.S. bishops are urging the United States and the wider international community to intervene on behalf of a bishop imprisoned in Nicaragua. Bishop Orlando Alvarez was reportedly briefly released from prison last week, but detained again after he chose not to leave the country. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the USCCB Committee on International Justice and Peace, issued a statement saying, quote, we received news last week of yet another breakdown in negotiations to free Bishop Alvarez, unjustly sentenced to 26 years in prison and stripped of his citizenship in February. Bishop Malloy said, I urge the United States and the international community to continue praying for the bishop and advocating for his release. The consensus from the international community is clear, he said. The continued incarceration of Bishop Alvarez is unjust and must end as soon as possible. May Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, patroness of Nicaragua and the United States, illumine the hearts of all decision makers and may her maternal mantle protect the church in Nicaragua, end quote. Meanwhile, a new survey in Nicaragua has revealed the Catholic Church to be the most credible institution in the country. The Catholic News Agency reports that a Nicaraguan media outlet commissioned the survey by CID Gallup. The survey reports 48 percent said the Catholic Church was the most credible institution in the country. This as the Danielle Ortega regime's crackdown on the church continues. 26 percent said the Ortega presidency is credible. The Archbishop of Sarajevo marked the 28th anniversary this week of the Srebrenica massacre, expressing his closeness to the family and friends of the victims. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Archbishop Domo Vuksic expressed his deep condolence to all those mourning their loved ones, underlining how each victim was a father or mother, a brother or sister, a son or daughter, a wife or husband, a friend or an acquaintance. For the rest of us, he continued, they are our brothers and sisters whose life was taken away, so our fraternal compassion towards them is sincere. The Archbishop turned his thoughts in particular to the families of those whose remains will be buried only this year after being exhumed from more mass graves and whose identification hadn't been completed until now. According to Archbishop Vuksic, the graves of the victims preach peace, 
demanding that every life be respected and preserved. This, he said, is their greatest message and lesson for all. The Srebrenica massacre is one of the most tragic pages of the Bosnian War and the worst episode of mass murder within Europe since World War II. The International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia concluded that the killings compounded by the mass expulsion of Bosniak civilians amounted to genocide. It placed the principal responsibility on senior officers of the Bosnian Serb Army, but the United Nations also accepted a portion of the blame for having failed to protect the Bosniak civilians. The tragedy helped galvanize the West to press for ceasefire, which led to the 1995 Dayton Accords, ending the war in Bosnia. The conflict, however, has left deep emotional scars on survivors and enduring obstacles to political reconciliation among Bosnia's main ethnic groups. I am Lisa Zingarini. And St. Augustine Church in Waikiki is ending its daily free meal service after more than 50 years. The last free meals for the needy will be served later this week. Church officials say they have to shut the service down after increased pressure from Honolulu Mayor Blangardi. City officials argue the lunch line attracts criminals, drug use, and trash. The program has fed 50 to 100 people Every Monday through Friday. Wait, they're shutting it down. Why? Because of pressure from the city government. And the city government's pressuring them. Why? Because they say the line attracts criminals, drug use, and trash. You know, the cynical part of me wants to say, this church hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. Exactly. <laughs> ah, that is I sat here and thought, I, I'm not, I mean... Uh, I don't know what I think about this. I mean, obviously, you don't want something to attract criminals and drug use. you don't want people to get hurt, right? Right. But 50 years, more than 50 years, this has been going on. But, like, I'm just... And I... Yeah, the the cynical... respectable poor people in here? The cynical part of me thinks... Yeah, exactly. We don't want to have unsavory-looking people... While our, you know, big tourism industry and rich people walk around, they don't want to see homeless people here. That's my well, cynical take on this. I don't know. Take. Maybe I, mean, I understand there are safety issues yeah. uh, that are that are in play there too. Indeed, indeed. But but eh. I, I just well, don't you know, know what? You can find a way. Mm-hmm. I guess go to them. But uh, man. Well, that's a bummer, Anna Mitchell. I know. That's a bummer of a story to end on. I'm sorry. Well, I thought I would get an interesting, you know, take from you. So it's not always supposed to be good and fun in that last story. It's supposed to be a conversation starter. Generate conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So no resolution. Well, do we ever? No. 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 We just, you know, give you food for thought. It's what we try to do with everything we do here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Get you to think about it through the lens of Catholicism. It's nine past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Berksman. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. What a treat to get to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Had a little bobble in my schedule earlier, but I'm glad we... 
are here right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, Doc, the last time we were together, we were concluding the story of Ruth and Boaz in Love Basics for Catholics. Today we're going to start talking about the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, depending on which Bible you're using. How do we get from Ruth and Boaz to Solomon? Can you give us the the cliff notes? Absolutely. So Ruth and Boaz, of course, have a son, Obed, who is the father of Jesse, and then Jesse is the father of David. So we're talking a few generations down, and then Solomon is son of David and, and David's heir. So we're kind of keeping things all in the family. And Solomon must have watched a lot of rom-coms about his <laughs> ancestors, because uh, he is the great romantic of the Bible. You know, um, you do the math, and with his uh, uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines, he had a marriage every weekend of his entire adult life. Oh, my gosh. So, um, you know, maybe he got good at this, and, you know, just kissing all his wives goodnight was probably a three-hour process, you know, line him up and run him past. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we laugh about that, but you've talked before that uh, polygamy is never upheld as something to be uh, revered in the Bible. No, it isn't. And uh, yeah, we're, we're joking about it, but it, it really is Solomon's downfall. The one good thing about it, though, uh, Anna, is that he was trying to marry himself to the world, just kind of going about it one woman at a time. Um, but in as much as he is kind of like bridegroom of the world, that's an image of Jesus. But, of course, our Lord comes as our bridegroom in a monogamous way because we are all one bride, the Church. Absolutely. Can can you talk about the marital imagery involved when it comes to the king and Israel? Yes. You know, so it's so beautiful in the Song of Songs. We, we chuckle at the, um, you know, the geographical imagery where it will, you know, it'll describe the bride in the song as your nose is like the Tower of David and your neck is like the fortress of Damascus and, you know, your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> this is not, you know, you could get online and, and people have, you know, done pictures of what this bride would look like. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's insane. But uh, that, that, you know, to us, slightly comical geographical imagery it's really pointing to a deeper truth that this bride in the Song of Songs is really the people of Israel. And so she's described like the land of Israel, and her husband is the king. And that's a theme, you know, the, the bridegroom king. We see that already in Second Samuel 5 and in Second Samuel 17, where the king is likened to a bridegroom of the people. And so that's kind of the dynamic. So it's not just a kind of crass love poetry uh, going on in the Song of Songs. Some people have wrongly taken it that way, but it's really a romance between the, 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 the sacred king, uh, who's you know, part of God's covenant, and uh, the people who he's been given as bride. And of course, that points forward to Ephesians 5, Christ in the Church. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's rather interesting, isn't it, that we've already talked about in Love Basics for Catholics, the marital imagery with God and Israel. So the king meant to be a, a type of of the ultimate bridegroom, I suppose. 
Yes, he's he's a representative. He's an icon. You know, in Psalm 45, uh, a psalm very much like the Song of Songs, actually. Um, in fact, the king is called God, you know. Your throne, O God, shall endure forever, it says in, in Psalm 45. And that's kind of, you know, uh, provocative when we read that, but it's pointing forward to a divine king, ultimately, the God-man Jesus. So, Doc, the Song of Songs, I mean, uh, as as we've kind of been alluding to, this is a book that when, when you read it, it can kind of make people squirm a little bit um, by just how— um, What's the word I'm looking for? Lovey-dovey, somewhat erotic. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, erotic. Can, can you talk about why this book is in the Bible? Yes. Well, you know, I think it's beautiful when we, when we lay it out, uh, Anna, that the Bible begins with a marriage in a garden with Adam and Eve. The Bible ends with a marriage of the Lamb and the Bride in a garden city, at the in the last two chapters of Revelation, and then right in the middle of the Bible, you find the Song of Songs. And what is it about? It's this royal romance that largely takes place in gardens or vineyards. And so, I mean, it's like God's trying to tell us something. You know, there's some deep truth about reality and about God's relationship to us that is communicated by marriage. And so this is what the Song of Songs is doing there. Um, there's many ways that we can approach it, but I think it's helpful that uh, to realize that in the song, when the bride refers to her beloved, uh, that word beloved in Hebrew is actually the same as the word David or the name David. Mm-hmm. So the name David means beloved one, and throughout the Song of Songs, she is talking about how much she loves her David, so to speak, her beloved. And you see, when you're reading in Hebrew like that, it so lends itself to being understood as poetry about the David who is to come. In other words, the son of David, the Messiah, who's going to come and again be the bridegroom king of God's people. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. John Bergsma. You can find Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll look forward to diving more into the Song of Songs in the coming weeks. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. 
Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. The best way to practice not really being able to fully celebrate in other people's successes is to go to what you're grateful for in your own life. So when someone next to you is having a a great success, you immediately go to, Lord, I'm so grateful I have my health, I have my husband, I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, everything becomes just perfect. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. After the NATO summit in Lithuania, President Biden today is in Finland for meetings with U.S. allies. The U.S. bishops are urging the United States and the international community to intervene on behalf of Bishop Alvarez imprisoned in Nicaragua. And a new survey in Nicaragua has revealed the Catholic Church to be the most credible institution in the country. Wow. Did not see that one coming. Well, that just goes to show you that uh, the Danielle Ortega regime is not in touch with the people. No, I would think not. You know, I mean, this is uh, just I hope that people are constantly keeping the church in Nicaragua in your Mm -hmm. prayers. Uh, it's not grabbing a lot of headlines anywhere else that I'm seeing, uh, but this is massive, uh, massive mm-hmm. persecution. And you may recall that one of the first things they did was try and shut down the Catholic radio station mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, get rid of all the priests and shoot them off. I think the Archdiocese of Miami ended up uh, providing sanctuary for a lot of the priests mm-hmm. that were thrown out of Nicaragua. Bishop but... Alvarez choosing not to do that, which yeah, is why he was why he's in jail briefly released and then re-detained because the Danielle Ortega regime cannot handle him being out. Yeah. So whatever frustrations you may have about, you know, the state of religious freedom and dialogue and all that other stuff going on in our country, offer those frustrations up mm-hmm. for Bishop Alvarez and for the people in Nicaragua who are having the sacraments basically forcibly taken away from them mm-hmm. by their own government. So praying for them, especially this morning. It's 21 minutes past the hour. For iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Pray with me now the praises of Mary by St. Anthony of Padua. The praises of Mary. 
Oh, how wondrous is the dignity of the glorious Virgin! She merited to become the mother of him who is the strength and beauty of the angels and the grandeur of all the saints. Mary was the seat of our sanctification, that is to say, the dwelling place of the Son who sacrificed himself for us. And I shall glorify the place where my feet have stood. The feet of the Savior signify his human nature. The place where the feet of the Savior stood was the Blessed Virgin Mary who gave him his human nature. Today the Lord glorifies that place since he has exalted Mary above the choirs of the angels. That is to say, the Blessed Virgin, who was the dwelling of the Savior, has been assumed bodily into heaven. Amen. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. Go over there and check out lots of her great recipes, and uh, often some of you submit your own recipe ideas based on our conversations, and uh, it's a great crowdsourcing segment here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, and you're absolutely right. I love getting recipes from our uh, listeners and readers. Well, there are a lot of people who planted cucumbers and didn't realize what they were doing, <laughs> and now they have taken over everything, and they got more cucumbers than they know what to do with. Uh, but uh, there may be some people who don't realize cucumbers are actually in the Bible. Yeah, and when you say there's so many, once, once you start growing them, it always reminds me of that passage in Numbers in chapter 11 when everybody was complaining um, when they had to leave Egypt and they wanted the, the delicious fish and cucumbers, melons, leeks, and garlic that they had to leave behind. And uh, there's an interesting passage in Isaiah chapter 1 talking about Israel, uh, the daughter of Zion being left as a cottage, as a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Uh, you know, that's an image that I think strikes home for us. Uh, any of us who have seen cucumbers that are not tended well just sort of like tangle up and overgrow everything um but it is a plant that people plant because it's really not that hard to grow cucumbers uh, but how would they have been eaten in the bible did people make uh dill pickle relish or how were they doing them well you know, i don't think you're too far off i know of course they would eat them fresh and they preserve them sort of like a relish or like a pickle with a vinegar and i'm thinking they have to have used dill because that was such a popular bible herb and they also ate them uh, with barley cakes, and that made a complete meal. So, yeah, it was part of everyday life there, eating cucumbers. You make it sound like one of those English cucumber sandwiches. Yes, fancy. <laughs> All right, so it's a popular vegetable even then, uh, and I guess it was so popular that people had to watch so people weren't stealing their cucumbers out of their garden. Yeah, that's so weird when I think about that. But, yeah, they were so valuable. They did have watchtowers um, to protect the, the crops against thieves. And then in Bible days, they were most often grown on trellises. All right. So uh, in terms of the varieties of cucumbers you can get today, it seems like infinite varieties of cucumbers out there. Uh, but what were the kinds that were probably growing in the times uh, you know, that we're reading about here? Well, you know, boy, this was some research to be done, Matt. Um, I, I found out that some scholars believe that the cucumbers back in Bible days likely what we call the snake cucumber, not the prettiest kid in the patch for sure. It, it's uh, very light green. It's a Mediterranean cucumber, and as it grows, it's sort of shaped like a, a snake. And instead of a regular cucumber flavor, it's got a real lemony flavor. I'm thinking you might like that one. 
I I would love to try one of those. I've never grown one of those, uh, but I, I should check them out. I tend to not grow cucumbers because all I have to do is go away for a week, and then the next thing you know, <laughs> everything's completely out of hand. Uh, that being said, cucumbers, uh, you know, they're they're nice. They add some crunch. They do, uh, you know, good for salads and of course for pickling. But I mean, I feel like they're mostly water. <laughs> so, are you really getting any nutrition out of them? Yeah, you're right. First of all, they're so hydrating. They are mostly water, but they people don't realize this. They have some anti-inflammatory uh, qualities, Matt. They have a huge amount of vitamin C. And, and here's the deal. A lot of people peel the skin off and remove the seeds, but nutritionally, it's the peel and the seeds that have the most benefit. Of course, fiber, is, they're loaded with fiber, so you know that's really good for our uh, digestive system. So, yeah, cucumbers not only taste good, they're really good for you. Well, much like uh, it's been said about an athlete or two, you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. I suppose the same principle can be applied to, cu- to cucumbers. It's possible to grow them in containers instead of having them take over the garden? Yeah, you can, uh, but you're just going to have to fertilize and water them more because, you know, their, their growing space is limited. And usually we plant them in hills, and that acts as like a reverse trellis because they have a pretty long root. And then that allows, the hill allows the vines to sort of tumble down gently over the hills. Again, water is really important. Well, what about uh, waxed cucumbers? Uh, What's supposed to be going on there? Well, you know, here's the deal with that. Um, The organic cucumbers, if they do have a wax, it's usually non-synthetic, so you're good to go. But there's a big debate now whether the wax on cucumbers should be peeled, you know, regular. And I used to think yes, but now I'm thinking I know it's safe to eat. Um, and it's really hard to remove that wax. So basically, if you're concerned, I always just say equal amounts of clear vinegar and water uh, for those hard skin veggies. It may not remove um, the wax, but it'll remove any bacteria. And, of course, the wax is safe to eat. People just feel funny about, you know, because it's wax, but it's okay. All right. Well, we have talked before about, uh, you know, easy ways to make a kind of a fancy summery drink by putting slices of cucumber and some mm-hmm. mint leaves in some water, which is extremely refreshing. Uh, we've talked about your tabula recipe uh, before, and that's a great way to incorporate cucumbers in a great summer cold dish. But I want to know about this cucumber avocado salad recipe you're sharing, because this feels like it's got summer written all over it. Well, it does, and I know once you make it, you're going to be fooling around with the recipe. Really easy, and all you do is you take some chopped cucumber, some sliced scallions, and some avocado. You mix that in a bowl. Sometimes I'll have some grilled corn, I'll throw that in, and maybe some torn salad greens. Um, And then the the dressing is really easy. It's mayonnaise, lime juice, salt, and like sriracha, like hot sauce. Now we're talking. Yep, I knew it. You pour that over there, mix it all up, and then I like to add a big handful of chopped cilantro. Really summery, really fresh, and really delicious. So I see scallions in there. I don't have scallions, but I recently came into some garlic scapes. Would a garlic scape work as a substitute Uh, there? Boy, that sounds delicious. My next batch will be with garlic scapes. Those are really unusual and seasonal, so use them up when you got them. Sounds good. We've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you as always, Rita. Encourage people to go check out your recipes, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep, next week, Matt. And again, try out uh, try out Rita's recipes and send her your own great summer recipe ideas. We're all about uh, all about sharing wisdom here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. 
Good morning. President Biden is visiting Finland today after wrapping up the NATO summit in Lithuania earlier this week. Biden will hold meetings today with Nordic leaders, including the heads of Finland, Sweden, Norway, Iceland and Denmark. Finland officially became the 31st member of NATO back in April, marking a major shift in the security landscape in northeastern Europe. Russia's invasion of Ukraine prompted Finland to seek protection within the alliance. And it was announced just this week that Sweden will also become a NATO member. Also on the agenda today is Arctic security because of an increasing presence there from both China and Russia. President Biden says he accomplished the goals he set at the NATO summit in Lithuania. Trey Thomas has more. Biden told reporters it will be some time before Ukraine becomes a member of NATO. I look forward to the day when we're having the meeting celebrating your official membership in NATO. But added, Ukrainian President Zelensky understands he has the support of the U.S. and NATO allies as Russia's invasion continues. I'm Troy Thomas. A brutal heat wave continues to roast much of the southern U.S., set to drop records in places like California, Texas, and Florida. In Death Valley, temperatures could potentially reach 130 degrees this weekend, which would match the highest temperature ever reliably recorded on Earth. Heat warnings and advisories are in effect for millions of people. In Phoenix, the high temperatures have been above 110 degrees for nearly two weeks now with no end in sight. In El Paso and in Miami, the highs have been more than 100 degrees for nearly a month. The head of the FBI is attempting to defend the Bureau's credibility. More from Mark Mayfield. In testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, FBI Director Christopher Wray said the agency is made up of patriots, professionals, and dedicated public servants. He laid out the work that the Bureau does every day, stating the FBI arrested more than 20,000 violent criminals and child predators. House Republicans have accused the agency of being weaponized against conservatives, including former President Trump and his allies. They say the FBI worked to suppress conservative viewpoints on social media. I'm Mark Mayfield. One of those congressmen was Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, who pressed Ray over a memo suggesting the Bureau should begin infiltrating Catholic churches. The internal memo, which leaked from the FBI Richmond, Virginia office earlier this year, suggested Catholics likely had links to violent extremists. In a hearing with Director Ray yesterday, Jordan accused the FBI of targeting Catholic Americans for their religious beliefs. You think priests, priests should be informants inside the church, Director? We do not recruit, open, or operate confidential human sources to infiltrate, target, report. But that's not, uh, what, religious this, that's not what this said. It sounds like you were trying to do it in no, Richmond, Virginia. No, sir. No, sir. No, you sir. weren't? This, this didn't happen? You can assure us that this that, didn't happen? That product did not, to as best as we can tell, result in any investigative action as a result of it. None. Ray said the FBI does not target religious organizations and ordered the memo to be removed once he learned about it. He said the incident is under internal review. The U.S. bishops are urging the United States and the international community to intervene on behalf of a bishop imprisoned in Nicaragua. Bishop Orlando Alvarez was briefly released from prison last week, according to reports, but detained again after he did not choose to leave the country. Bishop David Malloy, who chairs the USCCB's Committee on International Justice and Peace, 
issued a statement saying we received news last week of yet another breakdown in negotiations to free Bishop Rolando Alvarez, unjustly sentenced to 26 years in prison and stripped of his citizenship in February. Bishop Malloy said, quote, I urge the United States and the international community to continue praying for the bishop and advocating for his release. He said the consensus from the international community is clear. The continued incarceration of Bishop Alvarez is unjust and must end as soon as possible. May Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, patroness of Nicaragua and the United States, illumine the hearts of all decision makers and may her maternal mantle protect the church in Nicaragua, end quote. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. It's 35 past the hour. The Sunrise This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is the sacrament of matrimony? The sacrament of matrimony is the sacrament which unites a Christian man and woman in lawful marriage. In the beginning, God made marriage. Adam and Eve, he took her out of the side of Adam, from the rib, where it was closest to the heart, and he made them one. And it is for this reason that Jesus says, the man and woman must leave their father and mother and become one flesh. And so Jesus inaugurated the sacrament of marriage when at the marriage feast of Cana, he and his apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary were present. And so from that time until ours, the sacrament of matrimony has always recognized one man one woman in lawful marriage and they're married in a visible public and acknowledgeable way so that all may know that they are a sign of christ and his church and so let us come to understand it so that we might keep the faith until death reflecting on the baltimore catechism i'm dominican father ezra sullivan the sunrise morning show continues I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Gary Machuda from Hands-On Apologetics, and uh, we've finally kind of come to wrap things up with our book series that we've been doing on his book, Revolt Against Reality, which is essentially, well, I'll let you go ahead and say what it is, Gary, first. How are you? Great, great. Uh, Yeah, the book, uh, (laughs) summed up in a sentence, it's basically how God came and uh, changed the world, and how our revolts against the Incarnation has made a mess of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I wanted to throw that back out there, because as we wrap it all up, and we've gone through the history of ideas from the Garden of Eden all the way up through 
the Reformation and postmodernism and everything to the present day, what's interesting to me is that a lot of things that the Christian world struggled with from the beginning continue to be problems uh, to the to the present day. Um, uh, and they're problems with, you know, essentially, well, among other things, Islam, <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. Secularism. Uh, spiritualism, Gnosticism, of course, a big par- problem in the early church. I mean, in what ways are the things that people look around and, and, and are frustrated with in the present day all essentially the same kind of stuff that the church has been dealing with this whole time? Yeah, and uh, that's kind of what we do in the book is uh, we take the Incarnation, we see the fruits of the Incarnation, then we see how uh, man shrinks back from that blinding light of the Incarnation. Like you pointed out, there, there's these little junctures where people try to substitute, you know, what God has put together by uh, becoming man and dwelling among us, substitute with other things. And it's like every time we tried to correct or uh, to replace something that God has done, it just got worse and worse. And, uh, you know, today, especially when you get to the 1900s and to today, it really gets dense. And you look at the craziness around us, you wonder, how in the world did we get to this point? Well, you know, all of it's ultimately tied to, you know, our refusal to accept uh, what God has done in Christ throughout the centuries. Well, you know, there's there's the question of, uh, you know, Europe's in a massive crisis because of Islam and not knowing exactly what to do with it. But the real reason mm-hmm. that that's a problem is because Europe's not having any babies, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, at yeah. all. And, you know, how is this, uh, you know, current moment of crisis where nobody's getting married, nobody's having kids, uh, how has how that really kind of pointed back to maybe the church is onto something when it talks about what it sees the family is really meant to be. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, uh, that's precisely it is, um, you know, uh, it's the family that, uh, revolutionized, you know, we traced way back in paganism and how, uh, the, the pagans in the West viewed marriage and they had marriage, but it wasn't a, a, a bond of equals. It wasn't a bond of love. Actually, that was kind of ridiculed by the pagans. Uh, women and children were the property of the men, uh, and the men had could decide whether or not a child lives. And then, you know, we, we fast-forward all the way to today. You know what? Marriage is becoming kind of like that, where people are being treated as property. And in today's society, it's the opposite. It's uh, the mother who has, can decide whether or not the child lives. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so you know, I mean, you wrap this this all up, this whole deal, by talking about the kind of the crisis in Europe in regard to that, right? The rise of Islam and and uh, you know radical Islam. You see the you know demographic issues going on um, in Europe, but also definitely in the United States. But I think also. Um, the spiritual but not religious question, uh, you can set that almost off to the side. I would say the the Christian but like politically motivated Christian world is really kind of having a, a chaotic moment even since you wrote this book of uh, people who – well, 
not to be overly controversial, but I don't know what a Christian nationalist is, but I feel like everybody who describes themselves as one or everybody who gets described as one is somebody who doesn't believe in a visible church, right? Some kind of a fundamentalist mm-hmm. who thinks that this you know, country that we live in is our chance to have the visible church that we never had before. But whereas those of us in a visible church are like, well, here's a frustrating opportunity to figure out how to be Catholic in yet another empire, <laughs> right? <laughs> and... Uh, and I think yeah. that that's 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 another thing that we sort of see where maybe there's some smartness to the to the way that the church is sort of set up and how the church has survived despite all these battling forces. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, we talked about how secularism uh, wanted to make a safe zone for uh, the church and for religion by separating. Uh, the world into uh, the secular world, which deals with property and purely. And the problem is, you know, like you brought up Islam, is Islam is a blast from the past, and actually they fuse the church and state together. Uh, And that's what's causing a lot of problems, is because people who don't want to see any difference between religions are now being confronted with a very different kind of religion. And so it's kind of schizophrenic, you know, it's like uh, we embrace Islam as a religion of peace, and yet, you know, they, they run into danger of Sharia law being uh, implemented in areas. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and now, you well, maybe we should have a Christian state, you know. But Catholicism had always been, you know, the middle, right? We always recognize that, there, that each sphere of life, the spiritual and the temporal, has their own uh, you know, uh, sphere of, of, of confidence uh, or competence and influence, but they were never fused together like they were, for example, in the Church of England or in Islam or with Christian nationalists. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, basically, it's the same thing all over. Yeah, maybe a little different packaging, but um, well, I mean, you know, we continue on. There's nothing new under the sun, and you know, in, in some ways, I—I I mean, I don't know what you see as signs for hope, but uh, but one of the things that I see as a sign for hope is that, you know, the internet is a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, comedian John Mulaney uh, recently said he was dating a girl, and he said, you know, that he was Catholic. He's like, just please don't Google us. Trust me, <laughs> right? <laughs> as a way of saying, <laughs> you know, there's been all kinds of, you know, sinners and scoundrels throughout church history, but. I think that there's also more opportunity than ever for people who feel spiritual but not religious, but that doesn't seem to work, or that have, you know, dismantled their idea of the family into postmodernism and are realizing that doesn't work, or who are looking around at the government as the end and be all of, you know, all efforts to fix humanity and seeing that that doesn't work. That I feel like it's easier than it's ever been to Google where the church is on these things and see that there's a possible answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not only that, but anybody who uh, is seeking the truth, you know, today all it takes is an Internet connection, and you can access all sorts of information that maybe uh, 10, even five years ago you couldn't access. So, in fact, that's something that, uh, for example, uh, Islam, because of increased communication, a lot of uh, Muslims are uh, becoming Christian or leaving Islam. Uh, there's also, like you said, the spiritual, but I call it the spiritual, but not fulfilled people. Uh, they're rediscovering medieval spirituality, going on pilgrimages and, and such. You know, all of that is through Internet access. You know, they're discovering the past, uh, 
because now we have unfettered access to the past. Well, and as we're about to talk in our next segment, there's all these people I know who have uh, seemingly no interest in the Catholic Church who are like, starved for this idea of classical education, <laughs> you know, because of the way that the educational system is going in and how that's opening up brand new conversations about what it means to be human and all of it. But I'm bummed that we wrapped up this series on your book, Revolt Against Reality, but we get a new book to talk about soon, and we'll discuss that next week. Gary Machuda, we've got Hands on Apologetics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks for putting together a really great resource and helping us tie the threads of various movements in history all together. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk again next week. Up next, we'll get to discuss the upcoming Institute for Catholic Liberal Education Conference with Elizabeth Sullivan. It's 14 minutes before the hour. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. Today on More to Life, Emotional Battles. Tired of fighting with your feelings? We'll help you win the war. That's today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 11 till, here's Anna with headlines. President Biden is visiting Finland today after wrapping up the NATO summit in Lithuania. The U.S. bishops are urging the U.S. and international community to intervene on behalf of Bishop Rolando Alvarez, who is imprisoned in Nicaragua. Meanwhile, a new survey in Nicaragua has revealed the Catholic Church to be the most credible institution in the country. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Elizabeth Sullivan, Executive Director for the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. They've got their conference coming up here actually next week in Pittsburgh. Elizabeth, welcome back to the show. 
Good morning, Matt. Thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, and your conference is sold out for in-person participation, and I actually knew that before I got the press release. And the reason I know is because my wife tried to sign up and had to get put on a waiting list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think mean, we did squeeze her in in the end. <laughs> she's uh, one of a bunch of people who got squeezed in at the end. I didn't realize how much of a demand there was. I mean, I knew you guys were doing a good thing and that it's been growing, but, I mean, give us a concept of how much hunger there is for this idea of Catholic liberal education and informing teachers and administrators in it. It's such a great sign of hope in the Church, Matt. Uh, we've This is our 11th annual conference, what started with 73 people, we had to let extras in. We were up to 420, but we really had to shut it off there. On the other hand, we have live streaming that's going to hundreds, if not almost a 1,000 people who will live stream portions of the conference. We cannot meet demand. Um, our organization has hired another nine people in the last few months just in order to fulfill this great demand in the church to return to the church's educational tradition, which which it's different than the secular model. It unites faith and reason from a child's earliest years, and it's just feeding the vocations of so many teachers, and we're privileged to help them reclaim this tradition. Well, I'm so excited because I I think that there's a lot of renewal to be had here. Um, In a world where people kind of get treated as political pawns and you know, consumer demographics, uh, this idea of really learning how to think and not just having all the information, which is kind of how society uh, determines whether you're educated or not, like do you have all the information, but really understanding what is a human being and what are we made for? Uh, I mean, are you seeing schools that are really trying to recapture that truly Catholic principle of trying to form a whole person and not just give a person a lot of information so they can get a good job? Yes, hundreds of schools, even whole dioceses, are now seeing that the secular model has um, identified, or its goal is college and career readiness. Nothing wrong with that, but that's a low horizon for the formation of a human being. And so the Catholic tradition understands who the human person is, made in the image and likeness of God. And that affects everything we do in the classroom, because we see the world differently through the eyes of faith. Everything is connected. Everything has a wondrous relationship to one another because it's ultimately one in Christ. And that's an exciting way to learn for the teacher and for the student. Yeah, it's a lot more fun, right? (laughs) It's uh, Yes. (laughs) And it it, it really kind of gets you to want to be a lifelong learner and to to have kind of a a hunger for, for what God has made and how can I know more about it. But if you could, give us a taste of who's going to be there and what they're going to be talking about in case people are interested in joining you via live stream. Sure. Uh, Well, the theme this year, Matt, is a title of Our Lady, Cause of Our Joy, in that her fiat is really what opened for us this, this life of joy, divine life in Christ. And so, the theme is joy and um, and this incarnational role of Our Lady in bringing truth to life, which is analogous to what teachers do. We try to shine a light on, on reality and help lead children to that discovery. So we have are blessed to have Bishop James Conley of Lincoln, Nebraska, leading us off with a keynote. Uh, his keynote is The Joy and Wonder of Education. He, we're blessed to have him on our advisory board. We have Father Robert Spitzer, the famed Robert Spitzer, turning the tide of unbelief with science-based apologetics. He's just such a dynamic speaker and a gift to the Church. We also have Mary Rice Hassan speaking, speaking about Christian anthropology, speaking about the human person, uh, who am I, a cause for joy. 
um, a very important topic in our times. Just who is the human person? How do we know who we are? With so much confusion in the culture. We also have um, Dr. John Boyle, who is of the Catholic Studies Center, also talking about the importance of wisdom, why wisdom matters. Sorry, the Catholic Studies Center at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. Um, in addition to that, there, altogether there are 70 presentations and uh, seminars for, for our participants. It's the hardest thing is knowing what to choose. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that it's like a buffet in there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that Bishop Conley is is leading the charge on this, and his, his diocese really leading the charge on this uh, as well, uh, because, you know, he's a guy who's a, uh, he became Catholic because he was in a liberal education uh, program in the, you know, sort of great books tradition at Kansas University that converted so many people that they had to shut down the program. <laughs> so That's exactly right, and in fact, when he came into the church, John Sr. is his godfather. At, same for his um, dear childhood friend, Archbishop Coakley of Oklahoma City. They were there together in that program. And found their vocations there. Yeah, and uh, we just recorded a Journey Home episode uh, the other day, which has not aired yet, with David Dean, who's now superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Tulsa, who was in that program (laughs) and is a convert from it as well. Yes, he will be speaking at our conference as well. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, He's a little (laughs) bit of everywhere. Uh, So. If if you could put it out there so that I I mean I know there are a lot of homeschool co-ops um, even homeschool families Catholic school educators even public school teachers who would love to incorporate some principles of this perhaps in their own secular classrooms how can they join the live stream? Um, they can go to our website which is catholicliberaleducation.org. The live stream live stream is set up for schools so there's a price point but homeschool co-ops could band together and do that. And sign up. It's not too late to sign up. The conference begins at about 3 o'clock on Monday and runs through Thursday at about noon. Um, there will be 10 or 11 of the talk, pre-selected talks, all the plenaries, and some pre-selected breakouts that will be live-streamed. So there will be rich content there. There will be ways to interact and send in questions through the chat. And we welcome those who can't be with us in Pittsburgh to join, to join through the live stream. Again, that's CatholicLiberalEducation.org. We've got the link at SunriseMorningShow.com. I want to put the appeal out to coaches, too. You're not off the hook. You have a unique role in the possibility of forming uh, the entire person. So check that out if you're a coach as well. CatholicLiberalEducation.org. Thanks so much, Elizabeth Sullen, Executive Director of the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. Have a great conference. Thanks again, Matt. Appreciate right. it. And again, you can find not just that, but everybody we've talked to through the course of the morning at sunrisemorningshow.com. Drop your email in when you head over there, and you'll get show notes delivered to your inbox daily, including some of the prayers we pray and Rita Heikenfeld's recipe for a cucumber avocado salad that was uh, dropped earlier this morning. We'll talk to most of you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Subscribe.